So welcome to WEMcast. Welcome everyone to WEMcast, another episode with me and Owen Walker. Um, I'm here today with a colleague and friend of WEMs, Andy Elwood. Welcome, Andy. Hi, thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Good man, good man. So Andy, just for the audience, could you just um, just maybe describe a little bit of your background and what you do for a living? So I've uh, just completed 20 years in the emergency services. I started in the ambulance service in Northern Ireland where I picked up this accent and uh, I progressed into helicopter um, medicine search and rescue with the Air Force, with the Coast Guard, and I became a paramedic with the Air Force. I've also spent um, time out on the Afghanistan battlefields on the rescue helicopter with the Air Force out there as a, a paramedic as well. Um, throughout my career, it's helped me to talk various times about the emotions I've had, issues I've had on particular call-outs and other challenges in life. And I'd started to share that experience, encourage others to do that over the last number of years. And I've got to a stage where I think I'm going to save more lives now, focusing on mental health first aid rather than physical first aid. So I've become a mental health first aid instructor and campaigner. Fantastic, Andy. That's absolutely fantastic. So, so the so, so you started off in the military background, and Andy, within that military background, did that see you um, attached to a specific unit? So, what what, what speciality were you were you involved in within the military? Um, so, uh, with the Air Force, it's probably probably the least military. Um, part of the military, the Air Force, and search and rescue within that, but I'm keeping my voice down. Um, uh, so I'd be used to um, peacetime running around in red Gore-Tex and yellow flying helmet. I was predominantly based in Scotland, but I've worked in search and rescue helicopters all over the world. Um, so it's rescuing people in extreme conditions really suits with them. So whether they're in the sea, um, drowning, whether they're uh, on a ship far out um, at sea, usually in extreme weather in the remote mountains, remote um, medicine. Often you'd be the first person on scene as well, especially up in Scotland. So it was fantastically challenging. I'm an outdoors person myself. I love the outdoors. Um, uh, so it's a very challenging environment for, as a clinician, but also from surviving the environment yourself. So I'd be part of a close-knit team on search and rescue helicopters, and then I suppose I specialised within that out to the um, MERT helicopter during the Afghanistan conflict. Gosh, okay, yeah, so real, real cross section of experience actually, um, that which is which is fantastic. Now, my next question related to that, Andy, would be, um, which did you find more traumatic and or challenging in in that aeromedical retrieval stroke primary work capacity? Uh, was it the MERT stuff or was it the search and rescue? So, the MERT is the short answer. Um, so. I upskilled, um, increased my confidence um, through that period. Absolutely brilliant sense of satisfaction working with amazing colleagues, seeing polytrauma on a daily basis, multiple casualty incidents. Um, so it was just a fantastic experience, made a real contribution. I volunteered to go out there, fantastic to be selected, 
but without a doubt, the most horrific experience of my life. Um, and it, it, certainly for me, the period that we're going through at the moment with clinicians dealing with COVID, some people don't seem to like the war battle enemy kind of language that's being used. But for me, I can really equate to people putting on their PPE um, as opposed to body armor, going into very challenging circumstances. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of, from the people I've spoken to on the front line at the minute, there's a lot of similar fear and anxiety going around at the minute for personal safety as well as family at home and obviously patients. So there's a lot of similarities to draw. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, but I think so. Yeah, absolutely, Andy, absolutely. Um, just doing six clinical shifts, just having finished this morning at 6.30, actually, um, having to put don PPE for, for, for all the cardiac arrests, actually, is extremely difficult. Um, like you said, akin to maybe wearing body armor in Afghanistan, where the conditions are hot, it, stuff, it, 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 it muffles your sense of your proprioception, so your sense of hearing, your sense of visual um, perception, and your, you, all your communication facets um, you know, become a lot more stunted. Um, <clears throat> and I feel that in myself, actually. So it really does make a difficult situation all the more challenging, actually. Um, and and I, I probably very much so for, for yourself. Andy, just, so just looking, just doing a slight deep dive into the, into, into the Mert um, experience that you because you, you're being really really are being parachuted or, or flown into some very stressful high acuity situations whereby yeah there's life and death right in front of your face um have you got any that stick in, in your mind that that, that really in, that you either really succinctly learned from or indeed just really made you think gosh this is this is really almost too much at, at certain points so there's, there's there's lots there's lots and lots of them and um, the first job i did by myself was to uh, a patient in a minefield and um as the paramedic on that aircraft you'd be the only clinician getting off the aircraft to triage um casualties decide who's coming with you and which order they get loaded on the on the aircraft for treatment back to the the hospital um, and there's a lot of fear involved a lot of adrenaline to get off the aircraft into that very different environment and um, not being on headset uh, arriving there, not having the full information, you know, your eyes, ears, everything's out on stocks trying to look after your own safety and discern what's going on very quickly. Um, and I just couldn't see in this first call where the casualty was. It was a very confusing picture. There was vehicles moving, people moving. And I thought, I've got to get off this aircraft and show some um, courage and commitment. And I had one foot off still holding on to the, the uh, on the ramp and I thought this is really confusing I'm just gonna pause this is a minefield situation I'm just gonna wait here I'm safe here and do you know it was one of the best things I did and I just learned that yeah there's a lot of adrenaline pumping you're the most important person in every situation what's the first uh, um, thing in the DRABC danger you got to look after yourself um, 
and that really put me in good stead for the rest of my detachment, just just not to rush into things. Uh, um, well, there's multiple cases that from debriefs afterwards you learn, and I think that's an important thing now. It's a fast-moving situation, um, and the number of casualties, as we've just discussed in the preamble before we press record, it's just phenomenal. It's really akin to a war situation. So I think our mindset and our triage and just dealing with casualties, but then dealing with the the amount of deaths um, clinicians will be dealing with as well. There's there's a lot of similarities uh, indeed. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. So 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 there's a lot to unpick actually from what you were just saying around recognizing your own mortality and also fragility in 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 such high acuity situations um so let's just pick that one out there's a few other things about listening first as well which i'll come back to because i think you illustrate that in some of your teaching which i think is powerful as well but let's just come back to um your own self-care because i think self-care is a fundamental prerequisite of this whole this whole healthcare uh, piece at the moment um so you realized in your military experience that self-care was 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 key um and then that extrapolated out forward just do you did you did you see a lot of self-care in the military or did you see a lot of uh, a lot of guys not necessarily looking after themselves and or their own mental health did you did you did you make i knew you came to that revelation did, did did others around you or was it was it not necessarily as apparent um, I think the environment I'm from and being four people in a helicopter, two pilots up the front facing out the front and two guys in the back, the clinicians, something akin to an EMT and a paramedic. Um, and there'd be a lot of communication between the two guys in the back without actually saying something on intercom with looks, nods, um, hands on shoulder, knowing looks as to what we've been through together. So there's a lot of things passed without being said. I think things have changed over the number of years um, and are improving slowly. We're breaking down that stigma about talking about it. From the aviation background with the human factors, we're really good at debriefing after a job learning, but just sharing some feelings if it was particularly tough if something really struck a chord with you that's a really good time to just start talking about it get it off your chest and finding some empathy we're not alone that's what that's what i found in this um we're in a caring profession we care about other people we're wanting to help them so we are sensitive when and this at the moment covid is reaching out to us all all our family members ourselves particularly if we have something vulnerable someone vulnerable in our close-knit um circle of family and friends so um just sharing how you're feeling there um what, what the military were particularly good at was keeping everyone right with the basics and a lot of us are well um, it's no accident that we're well and keeping well with their mental and physical health. Um, so, you know, meals were provided out there. Um, sleep was difficult, but there was somewhere to sleep. Your laundry was taken care of. 
there was somewhere to wash um, and there was people uh, around, there was a routine. In a way that's more difficult at the moment, particularly with the rest of the, the country in lockdown, because people coming home working shifts it's a very different home situation. There's maybe more people in the home than normal. So it's more difficult um, than actually people like me being deployed overseas and having things taken care of. People are coming back from a, maybe a really traumatic shift, totally out of the ordinary to what they're used to. And then they're coming home to homeschooling, having to cook meals, you know, um, there's maybe an office in the, on the kitchen table where someone else is working from home. Um, so it's just a, a crazy situation at the minute. There is so, so much going on. So if people can build in some routine, do the basic things well. Um, I, so I try to promote the five ways of well-being. It's like your five a day for mental health. Uh, and that's connecting with other people. So we're blessed now having all these um, uh, devices and, and the intranet. So uh, um, connect with the people you're in lockdown with, but connect with other people as well. We're, we're not designed to be lone beings. We're very social creatures, humans, aren't we? Um, being active. So, I mean, a key part of the government uh, um, strategy is you're allowed out for an hour a day exercise from home that exercise is crucial to get you away from the cabin fever but to keep your body working well help your digestion release some endorphins do what works for you um, uh, take notice while you're out there um, do you have a mindful practice do you know much about mindfulness that's a question to me actually i was just disagreeing with you so i do i certainly do i i um i meditate in the morning times um, really? And that just involves focusing on my breath, being um, hyper vigilant, and and also acutely aware of my physiological state. So, am I carrying any stress in my body? Am I carrying any? Am I, am I carrying anything in my mind which is residual from the day before and or the same day? Um, so, I very much agree with you on on, on that one because yeah. unless you stop, hit pause. And, and understand what's going in on in your subconscious under the surface then you will never fully unless you do that you never fully understand how it bleeds into your consciousness and or maybe affects your reality and so i'm an absolute big believer in that um so listen that's that's absolutely fantastic um andy so let's just really yeah deep dive on that because i think this is really important actually the, the, the fundamental basis because we're talking about bases, aren't we here? And covering your base as well. So you're understanding your need for community, which I think is key because we are innately social beings. Um, and, and I very much know I am. Um, I think everyone is. And, and, and actually we need that. Um, having, a, having a mindful practice, um, getting good sleep um, uh, and, and good rest. Is nutrition another one, did you say? Is, 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 is that one alone or...? It's actually not. It's one I would add in, actually. Uh, um, and, and the sleep isn't one of them either. Particularly, particularly difficult for people working shifts, but crucially important. And research is showing that more and more. Um, I, I attended a, a um, research symposium at King's College earlier in the year. And interestingly, 
um, other corporate organizations, people open up and they'll talk about their mental health or their stress. Um, emergency and um, pre-hospital clinicians don't. What they tend to open up at first about is they're having difficulty sleeping. So whether they're sleeping too much, their sleep is interrupted, they can't get to sleep. So if you're experiencing that yourself at the moment, just realize that it's maybe worth checking in what is going on. Um, you, you, have, you having a um, regular mindful practice in the morning is fantastic, really ideal for that. Check in if something's residual, like you say, how you're feeling. We need to be flexible and kind and gentle with ourselves and others at this time because there's so much change. Um, but sleep is proven. So, so if you're feeling your sleep is, is disrupted, just think about putting some effort into improving your sleep. So having a good sleep hygiene as much as possible at the moment. Have a room at a good temperature and try and reduce the clutter there. Reduce your screen time before bed and just gradually relax down, get rid of the day uh, and what all's happened before you go to sleep for a good nice rest. It's, it's key to your performance for your next shift. Uh, um, nutrition, absolutely key. We all, especially you're wearing extra PPE, hydrating and drinking water is probably one of the key things. Eating well, your fresh fruit and veg, have plenty of colors on your plate. Um, that's, that's great at the moment and key. And doing those basics right will keep us um, in this for the marathon. It's a, and it is a marathon, not a sprint, isn't it? Um, so if we look after ourselves first, it's almost like putting your own oxygen mask on first before you help others. If you're well, your family, your patients, your um, clinical team, will you'll, you'll perform better there. Absolutely. And then, could I say a bit more on the mindfulness? Because hmm. um, a lot of men particularly uh, think that's a bit heavy. That's not for me. I don't need to sit and burn incense. There's loads of ways you can find mindfulness. and It can be a little break during the day for you. Um, maybe as you're reading something, I start my day mindfully making a first espresso uh, um, on the stove and just smell um, the coffee that's there, feel the machine, just use all my senses and just check in for the day. And I can sneak in a couple of sun salutations while that's brewing on the stovetop as well, just to stretch out. That's what our pets tend to do. Our pets don't turn on their phone and get all the bad news. As soon as they wake up first thing in the morning, they'll have a stretch, something to drink, and then go outside probably and get some fresh air. Good advice for us as well. Absolutely, Andy. Absolutely. I, 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 I really agree um, with all, all you said there and just covering your bases of, of self-care um on a daily basis because as you quite rightly said this is there's, there's enough deficit of, of compassion fatigue and and the your time commitment throughout the day uh, certainly coming from of, of six 12 hour shifts days and nights you know that 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 chronic fatigue um and and if, if the self-care component isn't there you can't give to others if you've not got it yourself even so just bringing this down to really basic terms it was 4am this morning of of this morning i was in ppe treating a cardiac arrest patient and i nearly snapped at a colleague at work um 
for over a very simple thing and actually managed to catch myself before I did that actually um, and it's only because of fatigue actually I haven't been sleeping well on nights um, it's really difficult in PPE uh, I f- you feel completely muzzled you, every, well, you, you literally are because you're, you're wearing a FP3 mask and managed to catch myself and de-escalate myself and just uh, and smooth the surfaces and it, and it actually went a lot better as a, as a, as a result uh, but could see you, you know, very much in my animalistic brain for when when the when when the human factors start to to play out my you're so much closer to your emotions and so much closer to being robbed by your emotions as well and i managed to catch myself at, at that point uh, this morning um but don't always but but you're right unless i think unless you're hopefully self-aware enough to, to know that's coming out in you or just about to you you can't I, i've plenty of times reacted and thought oh that was probably a bad idea actually um and it's and it negatively affects the scene going forward yeah but we're all just human aren't we uh, and um there's a few there's there's been a great um checklist um popped out by the clinical human factors group i don't know if you've seen that but a couple of great points to share with uh, listeners viewers i think on that is really if you can introduce uh, yourselves to the team before you don ppe just check in with everyone if you don't know the team you're working with and what your skills are what your speciality is um, and i'd add to that something i learned from uh, midwives i did some human factors training with a while ago and they they have a huddle at the start of a shift and they go through what's happening in the day what's important stuff work-wise and if there's not too much to talk about then they have a cuddle and that's really how are you feeling what's going on for you because people are we, we all try to be professional leave our personal circumstances at home and um, when we come into work be professional there's so much extra stuff going on at the moment and um, I'd encourage everyone to be open with their team if there's something particularly stressful going on for you at home. And people maybe just be flexible, be kind to you and give you a little bit more space and, and, and patience and room. And if we can all do that for each other, I think that'll really help us get through this period as well. Yeah, and. I, I really agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing, let's just, let's just visit, um, from a toolkit approach. I think that's fantastic. Uh, just from a, um, another aspect from something I know you advocate a lot of, let's just deconstruct the, uh, the power of listening because I think listening is, is a, a fundamental prerequisite of communication. I think it's probably one of the most powerful tools how how did you come to that revelation and, and what does it mean to you, Andy? I think it's uh, massively important in comms um, and probably the most um, underused and underutilized. So um, from a mental health first aid point of view, um, a key thing is non-judgmental listening. So try and put yourself in someone else's shoes. So we don't know what um, this relative uh, of the patient has been going through and dealing with. Let's listen. Uh, let's let's not pass any judgment on them. 
Um, and that just allows them to express their emotion, get rid of that and feel heard and understood, which is a key part of being human and just listening. And we, we don't have to fix anyone. Um, listening is so powerful without offering advice. Just um, spending time with someone, that is a massive thing to give and just listen. I, I cannot believe the power in that over the last number of years as I've done more and more of this. Just listening to someone and giving them an outlet for how they're feeling, what's going on for them, can really turn their life around. And I know that's made a massive difference for me um, three times in my life. Um, so I would encourage people to talk if they've got a lot going on for them, uh, um, their emotions, their, their mental state at the moment, talk to someone they feel they can trust. I think that's, that's um, very important. And you, if you can create that safety and trust for someone else who wants to talk or seems to be having a difficulty, so getting in a quiet space, getting rid of distractions and sitting down and just really being with that person and listening. Yeah, that's fantastic. So it's a couple of things you said there about building safety and trust, actually, Andy, um, just the power of sitting down. Um, and that sounds really bizarre to say that. But but as you as you mentioned, sitting down, I think the, what that does is it, it in a nonverbal way gives a person the the indication and message that you are solely there for them and you're solely listening to them because it might be the same five minutes as if you were standing up. But actually the 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 process of sitting down gives that person the nonverbal cues that you are there to listen and you're mm -hmm. not there to shoot off or, or or make a quick exit you're there to to be there for for them because you i think you know your nonverbal communication speaks louder than your verbal communication does so i i, I think the components of a, of a of a great conditioner are controlling your nonverbal communication in a way as well. And what I will do just to your point, Andy, actually is reiterate the message, which is brought back to me. So hopefully just as I've done, done there, I've listened to what you've said and I've reiterated part of your answer, but that shows you that I've actually listened to your answer. And, mm -hmm. and so I would do that as a clinician. I'd do that also to deescalate difficult circumstances, maybe with the patient's relative. Whereas, and again, this harks back to the power of agreement, but what, what it does is it, it shows them that I'm taking their message on board by reiterating their message back to them. And it's, it's almost a form of closed loop communication, but what that does is builds rapport and shows them that I'm taking on board their, their points, um, which to your, to your point, I think is very powerful because you're right. Some part times people don't need the situation to be fixed. They just need, they just want to be heard and quite often. And you're as, as a fellow paramedic, um, I, I, I fully, have been there where you are um you, sometimes you can't fix the situation sometimes the situation can't be fixed a lot of times working within critical care a lot of work is palliative um and or you know and and especially in the current climate you know every covid patient i've been to this last weekend has uh, has been in asystolic cardiac arrest we haven't got any of the of those patients back um it's an, in the mix of an other caseload as well. Some patients we have got back from heart attacks, but those patients specifically we haven't. And so in this pandemic, 
coming to terms with the fact that actually you might not be able to fix the situation to exactly to what you said, Andy, but actually letting people feel like they've been heard and processed the information um, is, is I think is a powerful tool. I think absolutely. And that's a, that's going to be more of a key role for cl- clinicians going forward. Is, but what I'd worried about and, and from personal experience is how, how are you dealing? How are other clinicians listening to this, watching this, dealing with the increase in numbers and them absorbing all these feelings, emotions, frustration, anger um, from uh, uh, relatives. And if you are listening well uh, um, and showing empathy, it's very easy to absorb a lot of this and take it home with you. And so having some way to offload that is um, really important. Um, So your exercise will be one good way of of getting rid of that. Um, If you can sleep well, that helps us process all the things we've been through um, and form a memory that we can deal with and access in the future. So if you're you're with a, a team um, just having a debrief after cases or at the end of shift. Have you seen um, the end of shift checklist that's been put out by Mind and NHS places? Have you seen that at all or used uh, that? I have actually, I have seen it. So Andy, can you just briefly take it? Could you, if you can recall, only if you can recall it, can you just notion towards it slightly? Because I think this is really powerful actually. And it's a powerful part of letting things go throughout the day and release, releasing the day. But yeah, just, just, expand on that if, if you wouldn't mind because that's really powerful yeah so the, the key things for for me i love checklists and um, coming from an aviation background and having an interest in human factors so it's the end of your shift and a lot of guys i know have this in their locker to remind them before they go home it's drawn a line under the shift so was there one difficult thing in the shift that you can think about and um, try and let that go um uh, if there's three things that went well on the shift Think about those, focus on those, have some gratitude for those. That's great. Um, And it's really trying to draw a line under the shift and then focus about going home, looking forward to that time, what's at home for you, switching off from work and looking forward rather than back. How am I going to use that time to relax and really recharge? So for me, um, resilience is all, it's not about enduring this crisis this it's about recharging yourself so when your phone gets low we recharge it it's the same for ourselves so that's really exercise sleep can you, i keep repeating myself it's the simple things that work and keep the body and the individual going simple key building blocks work having an interest and a hobby um is really important don't let those slip as much as you can uh, through this period so whether that's reading if that's your running cycling jigsawing and um, your mindfulness those things it just takes away all the stresses worries thoughts of the horrific stuff that you have been doing and make no mistake at the minute clinicians are dealing with extraordinary events every day in a you know cumulative 
fashion, which is we've never seen before. It really is akin to battlefield and, and war kind of levels of numbers. So whatever people are experiencing, it's a normal human reaction to a set of extraordinary events. Um, and just, just put that in perspective. Uh, um, and that just, just be kind to yourself. Um, so I've got a bit off topic there, didn't I? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's absolutely fine, actually, Andy. So let's just because uh, because we can just come straight back to it. So so you finished your military experience, and one of the key fundamentals you talk about is the power of vulnerability, just being vulnerable and accessing people through vulnerability. But just just if, could you just explain, you know, how you really got into the mental health first aid? Because I'd like to explore the course itself and the, the the utility of the course but just so 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 you came out of the military and, and and what was the journey of sort of self-discovery into into the sort of power of this of, of mental health first aid um wow I, I i suppose it crept up on me over time rather than being one event so there's three major events i suppose in my, in my life uh, or, or in my, my career. So uh, I dealt with uh, a guy with a um, serious head injury when I was um, relatively new in search and rescue, despite me realizing that um, there was a real danger of him vomiting and me trying to protect myself, loaded him onto the aircraft. It was out in the North Sea, loading him onto the aircraft, he vomited blood into my eyes and mouth. So, um, and there was other... Um, other uh, um, parts of that case and behaviours that he exhibited that were, were really difficult for me leading on from that. Uh, um, but I was really worried how that would affect my um, the rest of my life, my career, my relationship with my wife then, if I was infected with something. Um, so I was offered the chance to see a psychiatrist through the Air Force because I was getting blood tests done. The GP said, why don't you go and see this psychiatrist? And the stigma that was involved with that for me, I thought, am I losing it? Uh, uh, you know, does the, does the doc think I'm losing it? Um, you know, what's going on? Is this the end of my flying career? Is this the end of my career full stop? Will this be the end of my marriage? What will the lads back at work say if I go and see the shrink? You know, it's so much stigma around that. But I decided to go, and he was just a normal um, chap, very welcoming. There was no couch in sight. He made me a brew. We sat down, had a chat, and he made me realize that actually uh, what I was experiencing and the fear and anxiety was uh, um, just like I've said, normal reaction to an extraordinary event so that was the first thing and just like that i was um cured totally happy was able to get a perspective on things cured and in inverted commas uh, um got back to work loved it um five years after i was in afghanistan i um was on holiday and uh, in france we were going for a day in the alps in the summer just jumped in the shower and had a flashback to a patient um, trapped in a Land Rover after an IED attack out in Afghanistan. 
and it was so vivid. I could feel the body armor on on me. Um, I could feel the temperature of the day. I could feel the sand on my skin and just the, the pressure to save this guy's life and the threat to my own life as well that day. I thought I was going to be left on the battlefield by the aircraft. So, so after that, uh, um, I, I scrubbed and scrubbed at my skin. I um, turned the water on cold, tried to cool down. Nothing working. Had to escape to get out of there and out of the shower and I was on top of my wife in this tiny apartment in, in the Alps before I knew it and she knew straight away something was wrong so um, I had to decide again am I going to talk about this or not and that she was not the person that I would have talked to about this kind of thing I think a lot of paramedics especially pre-hospital clinicians they think i need someone who's been through something like this that they'll understand it and um, but there was no one else there i was in a different country my wife and i had the safety and trust um, so I, I decided I would talk to her about what had happened, despite my fears, uh, um, talking to her about it, what it might mean. And we tend to catastrophize, don't we? We tend to think, if I just admit this, this chink in my armor, this that I've had this thought, this experience, this is going to mean I'm going to lose my job. My wife isn't going to love me anymore. This is the end of everything I know. And it's very easy um, to catastrophize and get down that route. So by talking to her that day, um, she listened. She didn't judge me. She sat down and listened, let me talk about it. And um, she didn't judge me at all. And it was great. I just was able to offload, feel a bit better, get rid of those emotions. Uh, and it wasn't the, the cure like this from seeing the psychiatrist, but I did feel an awful lot better. And she did a wonderful job that day by not judging me. She's judged me plenty of times since. <laughs> but that day when it really mattered, she was absolutely fantastic. Um, it, it, so those experiences um, really led me to realize that we can have blips in life we can st and still function just because you were brave doesn't mean you weren't afraid i have got off the back of that chinook so many days i was absolutely terrified you know when the loadmaster at the back gives you the thumbs down where the enemy is you're normally getting it in one direction but when it's when he's circling around you're surrounded and you're getting off like that is scary bananas and I, I, I just imagine that's almost what it's like people going to work now suiting up with their PPE and thinking what's going to happen today I'm doing another one of those it, it really lines up quite similarly in my head um, you know I, st I stand to be corrected you're doing it right now but fear and anxiety levels must be must be rising for for everyone the cumulative effect of the sheer numbers involved um it's just having a massive effect on everyone so if we can have these simple building blocks to help us do the simple things well we'll we'll keep us functioning and carry ourselves through this
Yeah. And yeah, so listen, I absolutely agree with everything you're saying, you know, uh, having been to some horrendous cardiac arrest this last weekend, um, but also just actually looking at the mental health of the population. So um, uh, went to a terrible case last night where a uh, young chap hung himself um, and was cut down by his friends um, and uh, we were unfortunately not able to save him. Um, uh, and there was an underlying mental health issue there, but from social isolation, um, he he had um, he, he had proceeded to 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 take his own life. And I think what we're seeing a lot of, I'm seeing it a lot as a paramedic, is not necessarily just underlying mental health conditions, but just the the the, the social isolation really bringing out a groundswell of mental health issues. Actually, uh, it was a it was horrific to, uh, and it always is actually. But but I, I I'm actually seeing a lot more of that. So it's not just the issue of COVID nineteen. There there is there's there's a groundswell of mental health which comes from social social isolation. And did you find it sounds like you found a release from that as you, as you as you weren't necessarily isolating those thoughts, but really bringing them in front of other people and exposing them you could then go on and release release that. And is that a fundamental prerequisite of, of, of the mental health first aid is, is that, that vulnerability and trust to release that, that information to other people? I think, I think the key point with that is being there and to listen. So encouraging people to talk, it's okay to talk. I will listen. Uh, if you choose to open up to me, I won't judge you. Um, it's just so that you don't feel alone. I think you're absolutely right. COVID-19 isn't the cause of all uh, um, the issues that's going on at the minute, but it's just exacerbating things, increasing the intensity of other feelings. And the isolation is is a massive part of that. So again, the, the connection that we talked about, keeping that going for yourself, but if there's people you haven't heard from for a while that you're maybe worried about, please make an effort and contact them. Um, think about a video call, think about a phone call rather than just a text. But we can't force people to um, open up and talk, but just showing up uh, in a non-judgmental way, in a supportive way, is uh, the best thing we can do offering safety and trust should that person choose to open up. Um, not feeling alone is will take a load off for a lot of people. And um, just you, you mentioned the suicide last night. There's, there's a lot of stigma around um, suicide. It's a massive part of the mental health first aid course. Um, uh, and it's really my main motivator for um, changing my career. I couldn't believe as a paramedic in 2000, 2016, I discovered the number one killer of men under 50 in the UK was suicide. I could not believe it. Um, and I mean, it's predominantly male workforce that I've spent my life in, in the military and in the, in the Coast Guard as well. Big hairy fellas doing lots of macho stuff and not talking about it. Um, and talking has really helped me and the people that um, I share my story with and do the courses with the message I'm getting back is I wish we had something like this 20 years ago if we'd had something like this and it was okay to talk about these things 
we wouldn't have all the issues that we have. Um, it's often the person who leaves a, a friendship group through suicide. They, we often It's the last person we think of. People are very good at um, putting on a mask and acting out how they're, good, they're doing. So please encourage open communication and listen to people, don't judge, uh, um, and encourage people to talk if they, uh, if they want to, if they need to. So, so could you just say that there's a simple toolkit to make it easy for people uh, and it works on algae and it's about making an approach, listening, um, non-judgmentally, um, giving um, information and support. And key information is that these, these feelings that we have around our mental health and difficulties, they're so common. That's the one piece of information to give people. There's loads of help out there. More and more of it is online. I don't know if we can put some links in uh, with, with this. I can supply you with those. There's some great resources at the minute through um, Mind Charity, NHS, loads of resources we can direct listeners and, and viewers to to really help themselves at home. Um, the Samaritans are always there in a crisis. Um, but talking about suicide is is key and not judging anyone about that. If someone mentions suicide or um, uses language that suggests they have a very bleak future, there is no future, they're thinking about ending their own life, no one would miss them if they weren't here. Really use your senses, be super sensitive to those at the moment. Those are... Um, things that we should be asking more about if we're listening for those ask some open questions make it okay to talk about um suicide if people can talk about it get those emotions out there it can be a massive turnaround for them that they won't feel alone any, anymore those uh, suicidal thoughts are surprisingly common 20 percent of the population have them um 25% of emergency responders have uh, um, said that they've thought about ending their own life. And that's only the people that um, admitted it and actually said they had. It's probably a lot higher than that. So it's surprisingly common. Uh, um, but those thoughts are temporary and they do pass. You don't have to act on them. There's always hope. For recovery and going and talking to someone uh, you trust uh, is great and the Samaritans are there 24-7 as well on 116-123. Andy that's listen that's absolutely fantastic and I think like you said you know a toolkit approach is, is great because you can both use it on yourself and other people to the point where you can just de-escalate situations uh, both in yourself and and other people because they, they are they're designed to be not necessarily a quick fix but a quick de-escalation of something which which needn't build up over time and uh, and then you can start that you can start to let things go up I, I was talking to a colleague the other day and one of the things my biggest revelations is learning just how to let things go learning how to let conflict go learning how to let situations go which didn't necessarily go the way i wanted them to learning how to let yeah failure go that's a big one actually as well 
um and yeah just learning learning how to how to let it let, let let it all go but we're still learning from it but 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 learning how to how to let it go so that toolkit approach is is fantastic actually um so a couple more questions as we come into land andy if that's okay yeah um one of them's just going to be where to find you because i think this is really important information actually and i think a lot of people need this information so i, I want to really signpost them to you because i think this this mental health first aid is a vital component that we we miss out but before before we we, we, we land on that question. Um, have you got any overarching messages you'd like to speak to the to, to the community of paramedics, doctors, nurses, um, pre-hospital and or in hospital at this at, at this time? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for what you're doing. I have the most utmost respect for what you're doing day and daily. Uh, and that comes from everyone I'm in communication with and Joe Public, thank you so much. We can, uh, um, you've been, never been more valued and well thought of. And I hope society changes and your worth is, is increased in our eyes exponentially. Uh, and I just cannot thank you enough and applaud you and celebrate the great work that you're doing. We send you patience, strength and, and determination to get through this. Um, so I, I'm really trying through this period to put out uh, free resources, simple messages to help people and, and direct people to, to get them through this tough, tough time. Uh, um, uh, and gosh, uh, pulling together as a society, as friends, family, setting differences aside, there's never been a more important time for us um, to do it. So please, please be gentle and kind to yourself and with others at home and lockdown and at work as well. Uh, just taking that pause if something's really upsetting you, having a few deep breaths and, and getting back to it and, and focusing on what is right, not who is right, um, is really um, important. Let's work together. Listen, Andy, that's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic and, and all encompassing. Um, yeah, I I really agree with all that actually. Um, so listen, this is really vital, and I, you know, just through my own life can can bear testimony to that. To to everything you've just mentioned actually around around mental health, first aid, and all the, all the tools you're mentioning. So 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 uh, people can find you at andyelwood.com. Is is that the, is that the main place? Can they find you on social media as well? Uh, yeah, all, all the social media is there. If you if you just go to andyelwood.com, the social media is there. Try and keep it simple. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Listen, absolutely fantastic, Andy. And at this time, I think it's a, it's a massively important narrative and, and, and conversation to be having. So both thank you for your time and perspectives, Andy, and, and just, you know, just for your work, because I think it's it, it, it's, it's, it's really important um, whilst we face this pandemic. I think I think it's a key part. Our, our physical health is linked to our mental health. They have parity and connection with others joins the 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 two together in a bit of a health triangle. So please look after yourselves every day out there on the front front line and your loved ones at home doing the basics will work and get us through this. And we'll come out the other side together.
absolutely absolutely thanks so much and um yeah just thanks for your time today okay the pleasure being here thank you